You're listening to Slow Theology, Simple Faith for Chaotic Times, with A.J. Swoboda and E.J. Gupta. E.J. and I, welcome back to Slow Theology. We're, we're going through uh, the Lord's Prayer. We're doing it slowly, and we, we've loved the conversation so far. We've kind of, as, as you've maybe noticed, we've done a lot of Bible and theology, and we, but we also, we also want to get kind of practical and, yeah. and talk about how this actually affects our prayer life. And today's conversation about this next section in the Lord's Prayer, uh, in which Jesus says, uh, as you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be the name, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. We're going to focus on that line uh, from the Lord's Prayer today. Give us our daily bread. And I think, I think uh, of all the sections we've done, at least up to this point, there's some cool practice uh, around prayer that we can we can get into today. Um, I got a gift from a student, EJ. It's the f- I have to be mm-hmm. cautious as a teacher to not receive too many <laughs> gifts from my students because um, right. you know, they need to be free. They can't buy me coffee. There's stuff in the faculty handbook I got to be careful about. But a student gave me at the end of last semester probably the best gift I've ever been given. Wow. An iPad. Um, not an iPad. No. Not, but, okay. but, 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 but. But close to an iPad, um, a student of mine gave me a glass container of like hundred-year-old sourdough for wow. sourdough starter for sourdough yeah. starter, and um, she gave it to me uh, and gave me some directions on how you know how to how to do bread, how to do. I haven't done any bread yet, but what I have done is I've done sourdough waffles. Ooh, Here's nice. the thing with the sourdough I, that's really surprising to me. Because I've just never made my own, my own. I've, this is the first time I've ever done my own sourdough. Quinn, my wife, has done sourdough, but I've never done it. Is like how much care the dough needs, hmm. and I, I actually forgot to feed it. You have to feed. I don't know if you know this. You have yeah, to feed yeah, it. Yeah, like you feed the dough. I forgot to feed it, and it got real funky real fast. I thought I'd killed oh. it. I saved it. But it started getting if sour. It got really sour, like super yeah. un, ungodly sour. <laughs> um, really, to a level that An I, abomination. Yeah, um, you know, bre- bread, bread, sourdough, bread requires time. Yeah, uh, you you can't forget it. Like you have to care for it. It, it is a, it's an ancient art form that um, requires attention. You you can't mm-hmm. just ignore it. You have to you have to care for it. Bread includes a lot of elements. It includes you know you got to get the the flour. You got to get the water. But salt you, you salt you got it. There's mm-hmm. there are elements, but more importantly, like you you have to get your hands into it. You have to you have to work yep. it. And when Jesus right prays here, um, give us this day uh, our today our daily bread. He he is inviting us to consider the relationship of prayer to the everydayness of our life. Yeah. The everydayness of our life. Of course, Jesus, didn't he call himself bread from heaven? Um, he, he, he described himself in these yeah. terms as bread from heaven. And as a, as a Christian, right, as a follower of Jesus, um, I don't want sourdough from 10 years ago. I don't want sourdough from three weeks ago. I want the fresh stuff. I want fresh. Yeah. I want the daily bread. I want that. Yeah. So, so, you know, as we, as we think about, this this prayer of the daily bread. Just as a Bible scholar, actually, is, I mean, how yeah. how important was bread in the first century? Oh my, it, it's a big oh deal, right? It's such a big deal that when you're talking about food, you often just say bread to refer to any kind of food. Hmm. So if you so if you if you know 
if you and I were in the first century, we we got the munchies and we need to go out for a late night Taco Bell run. Yep. 1 a.m. Yep. You would just say to me, you hungry for some bread? Let's go out and get some bread. And we'd be getting tacos or we'd be getting salad or whatever yep. it was. You're not getting bread necessarily, but it was the most common staple mm. of food. So think about like the government having cheese wheels mm. and bread as kind of because those things are filling, they're cheap, they're easy to make. And that was kind of like this with bread. So often whenever the Bible's talking about bread, it's using it as kind of a reference to the thing that sustains us. But this is really important for the Lord's Prayer because we often culturally detach the Lord's Prayer from the Bible and use it as kind of a generic prayer, but it has all these hyperlinks to important bread passages mm, of the Bible. Right. You already mentioned the Gospel of John, where Jesus is the bread of heaven, but I want to flag up a couple of them because they're really important for understanding why Matthew reports this teaching of Jesus using the word bread. When you think of the people of God in a situation of deprivation, needing bread, the clearest foundational story will be the manna from heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. This, this is from the Old Testament. This is from the book of Exodus, where the people of Israel have left the stability, although hardship, of Egypt to enter into a period of wandering. So God's going to miraculously provide, and I think the Psalms will say it, referred to as bread from heaven. So when we pray, give us the daily bread, we're actually evoking the divine manna feeding. But then in Deuteronomy, where Moses is kind of reteaching the people before they enter the land, what's important, he has the famous statement, which actually quoted by Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew in uh, just before the Sermon on the Mount, humans don't live by bread alone, but by everywhere that proceeds from the mouth of God. When we're reading, when we're saying, give us this day our daily bread, what we're talking about is our neediness. Let me give you a counterexample. There's a parable that Jesus teaches where he said, two people went to the temple to pray. One, a tax collector. The other, a Pharisee. The Pharisee stood proudly before God in front of the temple and said, I thank thee, O Lord, that I'm not like other men, greedy, murderous, adulterous. Look at all these things I do. So he's basically bragging and boasting to God saying, hey, look how important I am. And then the tax collector comes, won't even look up to the heavens, but beat his chest saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, which one was right with God that day? Not the one that's bragging to God about how amazing he is, but the one that says, I need you. Mm. The Lord's Prayer is broken up, scholars think, into two sections. One is a section focusing on who God is. Hallowed be your name, Father in heaven. And then talking about who we are as people. And I would say the most, the most obvious element of that human section is human weakness and human neediness and our dependence on God. So I think the bread reference is a reference to humans as not independent of God. Yeah. Yeah. We're people that depend on God. What would you add to the well, bread John, part you, of that? You brought up, yeah, the, the John saying um, the bread of heaven, which Catholics, yeah. I've always really, um, there's little, little, little nuggets that the Catholics, 
that Catholics always have that Protestants tend to be really resistant to. But like, for example, Catholics talk about Mary being the new Ark, the new Ark of the Covenant, yeah, yeah, because yeah. because in the you know the ancient Ark of the Covenant in in Numbers and and Leviticus and you know the, in the Old Testament had um, the Law of God in it, the Word of God, and had uh, a piece of the manna bread from heaven. Yeah, 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 and and so when Mary comes, who what does she have inside of her womb? She has the Word of God. Yeah, and and Jesus calls yeah. himself the bread from heaven. She's the new the new Ark of the Covenant. Kind of cool. I, I like. That. Yeah, I love. I love the idea of of her bearing the fresh bread. You know, <laughs> she's the the baker, as it were, the sourdough uh, yeah. starter. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but you brought up John's gospel, and I think yeah. John. Yeah the 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 bread the bread imagery in John is also connected to how many times the religious leaders in John grumble about what Jesus is doing. And mm-hmm. the grumbling, of course, back in the numbers is, is that Israel was grumbling to Moses that the food wasn't good, the water wasn't good. So the grumbling yeah. and the bread go hand in hand. So in the right in in numbers, the the, the daily bread idea is um, so uh, the directions about how to eat this bread are so beautiful. So they would go to bed every night, and in the morning God would place this mana, this uh, what is it? Yeah as it's what called it? on the, on the floor of the desert. Um, we don't, you know, exactly what it was like. It, it, it's described as having coriander seed and, um, yeah. and kind of being a wafer. It's, it's kind flakes. of like, yeah. Yeah. But there were really clear directions around how one was to Gather receive it, yeah. Yeah. the bread. And some of these directions included, for example, um, you don't collect the bread on the Sabbath. Um, right. You let the Sabbath just lay. You on the Sabbath, you let the bread lay there. You just let the bread be. You don't. You don't pick up the the yeah. bread, which of course Jesus lays in the tomb on Saturday. So the bread has been untouched on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but he he lays. You know, you you lay the. You don't touch it. And then on top of that, you don't collect more than you need. So you only co- co- collect the daily bread that's necessary for the day. You don't you don't collect enough for tomorrow. You collect enough for today. The daily yeah. bread is the yeah. amount for today. And then in addition to that, there's one day a week, Fridays, in which you collect extra for the next day, but only one day. Mm-hmm. There's no question that's what Jesus has in mind here when he talks about the daily bread. It's it's the bread that would be placed provisionally in front of you for the very day. I just, I, I think you asked me what I would add to this. I think Jesus is simultaneously teaching us how to pray and giving us a rubric for daily faithfulness mm-hmm. to God. Um, when Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, um, let today be of its, of its own. Yeah. He's inviting us to a, a psychology, a psychology that says, I don't get to freak out about tomorrow. I can't do a thing about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do today is today I'm going to take I'm going to take the next ten minutes and I'm just going to be faithful for the next ten minutes. I'm going to do the next right thing for the next ten minutes, as Emily Freeman in her book says. I'm going to just do the next right thing today. I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about the bread for tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about the bread for next week. I'm going to worry about the bread for this day, this day. Right. It is Jesus here is wedding together our prayer life and our presence. Mm-hmm. For for a moment, would you be vulnerable about your own prayer life? Um, yeah, which it's. I, I feel very naked when I talk about how I pray because I'm of all the things that I do, it's the, I feel least competent in, in mm-hmm. terms of how I pray, but how does praying in your own prayer life, 
how does prayer invite us um, to to actually be faithful today? The dailiness of our prayer. How does how do why does how does prayer actually lo- locate us and 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 root us and not freaking about tomorrow and not freaking about next week and not freaking about a month from now? How does prayer actually invite us to being present with just today? Great, great question. Every day we wake up and we have to decide how we're going to live that day. And there's a million choices that we make in a day. A lot of them small things where you're not going to, you know, ruin the world through your choices. But sometimes you make big choices. Um, I'm watching the show Fargo. Uh, if anybody's watching this show. Not the movie, the show. The TV show. The show and yeah. it is a meditation on how good people become bad people <laughs> through mm-hmm. through through one bad choice after the next and it ends up snowballing and you end up, that's all I'm going to say. It's very theological to me. There's even some religious elements in it. But when I look at the scandals and everything going on in churches and the news, I think all these things start out small. They start out small, bad choices. What I think prayer does in the morning, I pray in the morning usually. I mean, I pray throughout the day, but I, I pray primarily in the morning. What prayer does is my wife's a therapist. There's John got me uses language called attunement, where mm. you're kind of kind of aligning with your with your significant other. You're turning towards each other, and you're kind of pairing, kind of like two devices pair. Mm. You're pairing in conversation, relationship. I see what, what you're talking about. I see happening in prayer of this pairing. We're as as sinful humans, you know, at the same time, sinner and just the sinner part of us is always gravitating towards narcissism, greed, selfishness, depravity. And I think taking that time with God, it one thing I love about the Lord's Prayer, AJ, is it's not about productivity. You're mm-hmm. not you're not saying, okay, if I I've done the perfect calculation with my calculator and if I say these 100 words exactly the right way, then I'm going to get this outcome from God. Yes. Yeah. It's it's really meant to be a conversation with someone that loves you that helps you understand who you are in God's world and God's family and aligns you with the kingdom. I wish I would have said this last time we talked about the kingdom. Stanley Grenz, great theologian, refers to prayer as the cry for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I put that in kind of the show description, but I forgot to to actually say it. Our prayers cries to God. Now, Mm. cry doesn't have to be crying like I'm sad. Crying means you're expressing your innermost self to God. Mm -hmm. I I think that authenticity, genuineness before God opens up space in a soul to soul moment with God where he can reach in and align you well for your day. Yes. Um, yeah. get you get you going in the right way. It's not that, that's not the only use of prayer, but I've found that I feel most satisfied with prayer when I'm most honest with God, even if it is stuff that I don't think God wants to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah, being I, too honest with you? I think it's it's re- really refreshing. And I my 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 I guess my beef, not with beef, it's a good beef. It, <laughs> If that's a thing, love a good, good, a good beef um, with prayer is is that it it really slows me down in both the ways that I want and ways I I don't want. I am. You, do you know the show Alone? Um, 
the the show alone with like going out and living yeah. by yourself. I had Terrifying. an idea, by the way. I posted. I had an idea for a great Netflix show where uh, you have um, it's it's you take a an introvert and uh, they have all the food, shelter, and everything that they need, but they just have to survive by being surrounded by extroverts until they tap out. Then, <laughs> I saw then, that. My wife commented. They, when, they, when they tap out, then they're done. Oof. I've watched the show alone, and I think that is heaven on earth. <laughs> being all alone as an introvert, like, oh, I can't. Just That's not, that's not bad. That's like, just that's heaven on quiet. earth. I am so much more productive when I'm by myself. Yeah. This is why working at home is so hard for me. I get stuff done. I agree. Alone. I know. But here's the problem. I get the wrong stuff done alone. Yeah, yeah. But when I have to work with my wife or a coworker, then the then all the motivations are clarified. I have to slow down and I have to make the right decisions. Here's what prayer does for me. How many times in the David story in the Old Testament does it say David does something but he never inquired of the Lord? He just didn't talk to God about it. Yeah, yeah, he just did yeah. it and he didn't even like ask. He's just like, yeah. I'm just going to do it. And he goes and does it and he doesn't even ask. How often do I just act without inquiring the Lord? Because, and I do that because I'm faster without God. Yeah, I get stuff done. I'm so much more productive. I would have been the most incredible atheist. If I if if I didn't if God wasn't slowing me down, dude, I would be a CEO of a very large company, I'm sure, and I'd make a lot more money than I do now. But I'd be all alone, and everyone would hate me. But God, prayer requires me to slow down and invite God into everything I do. The daily bread is like I'm daily ingesting Christ today, and. And like a kid, everything is about the next meal. I just yeah. I just have one more meal. The next one. The next meal. The next meal. I'm eating along the way. That slows you down, but it makes your work so much more intentional and thoughtful and grounded. So in a way, pr- prayer, I need it because God wants to be involved in the conversations of my life. He wants to be involved in the, in the things that I'm doing. Can I ask you a Bible question, Nijay? All what right. Bread, I'll bill you. What? What would bread have actually been like at the time of Jesus? Like we think of bread like Dave's killer bread, like this yeah. big loaf of like what would a <laughs> or bread a macaroni been grill? Like? Um yeah, you know, we actually this is really cool and this is like one of the most nerdiest things about me. I went to um a Pompeii display at the That rhymed. Pompeii display. Pompeii display at the Portland, Oregon Science of Museum and Industry where they had all these artifacts from Pompeii. And one of the things they have is uh, hardened because, you know, the the lava came and it, it all solidified. And so it preserved lots of just everyday things, people, but also food. So we actually have a bread, I want to say cake, but don't think of like a birthday cake. But it's just like a round section mm. of bread split into pie pieces. So we actually know what it looked like. We have some paintings from Pompeii that have been preserved. And I got to tell you, it doesn't taste as good as bread today. It would have been dry. Most bread would have been dry. People are carrying this stuff around. It was built to last in the sense that, think about all these movies we watch, 
from the ancient world or they're set in the ancient world and they're eating bread. You know, they've been carrying around for days. Think of like Lord of the Rings and stuff. They've been carrying around that bread for days. So don't think of it as like delicious, soft stuff. Like this would be pretty, and, and don't think of it as sweet or buttery. A lot of those things require preservation. It would be salty and dry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you got to preserve it. You got to make it last. So it's going to be just a basic food product that's just good think about like a really bad granola bar that you just carry around because you have to eat something when you're starving oh, yes. and you're you've been on the road forever and you have like one of those uh what are the ones that are super brittle and they just get crumbs everywhere nature valley nature valley <laughs> yeah oh gosh those <laughs> imagine nature no valley. sugar is going to introduce those guys to moisture <laughs> those so so dry so dry it was kind of like that obviously yeah that's sweetened but if it wasn't sweetened it would be like that it's not going to taste good so it's funny when we have communion, sometimes we have really good bread and sometimes we have like grape juice. So it's kind of funny because it's super sweetened and we associate bread with things that taste good. But you have to understand when Jesus is doing these things at the Last Supper or at a regular meal, think about real red wine. It's not sweet. Mm. <laughs> it's not particularly, it has kind of a dry, sour, tart kind of taste to it. And then bread is is going to be, especially Jewish bread is going to have, it's not going to have yeast in it. It's going to be dry. It's going to be dry and maybe a little bitter. So when they, when they talk about bread, they're talking about the cheapest, most basic forms of sustenance. Does that mean, so I, I guess this reframes a little bit when Jesus says, I'm the bread of heaven. Um, later in John, he says, if you don't eat of me, you you can't part, you know, partake of me. You've you got to eat eat my flesh. When, when he calls himself the bread, it would be wrong for us to import in into that commandment or those commandments a desire for something that super tastes awesome. It's like, <laughs> oh, like just, oh, it's such good bread. Like drink drink of this cup that's the new covenant like it's not it wouldn't have necessarily tasted that good but it would have sustained you it would have been the sustaining presence of christ not not the really flavorful presence of christ so in in essence i, I mean we, we just everything's about flavor for us right yeah. everything's like it just needs to taste good all the time yeah. everything tastes great i don't i never have a meal that doesn't taste good or at least it's really rare most Unless of the meals have a Nature Valley bar, <laughs> other than the Nature Valley bar, which is the closest <laughs> thing get to sued yeah by Nature Valley bar. Well, let me say this: L- this episode has this. been brought to you by <laughs> brought to you by the crumbly crumbly. Here's what I here's what I think is going on. So I think it's 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 a both and, not an either or, in terms of flavor. So yes, bread was the most common thing and the most common thing that common people ate was just basic sustenance. However, if the Lord's Prayer and Jesus' reference to bread from heaven is recalling manna, I don't know what manna tasted like when the Israelites ate it in the ancient world, but over time, I think when Israel passed on the stories about manna, they made it sound more and more appetizing. Mm. So when they talk mm. about the bread from heaven, now they're thinking like, this is delicious Italian bakery or French bakery bread. So, and then when when the prophets say, taste and see the Lord is good, or you know the things that Jesus says, I think there's space for both. I think there's space for saying, listen, Christians, don't get too fixated on everything being 
delicious. Yeah. Sometimes you just need sustenance to get through the day. And I think the Christian tradition also says you're going to taste who God is in prayer. And it's going to be unlike anything you've ever tasted mm-hmm. before. It's going to be the most amazing thing. It's going to be, this is where we get, you know, rivers flowing of milk and honey, mm. streets of gold, because we're saying, oh, you've never tasted anything like this. This is going to be sweeter than honey in the honeycomb is what the word of God is to the prophets and the, mm. and the psalmists, isn't it? Mm. But when we pray, there's, there's a, um, there's a patristic writer, St. Basil the Great. He a lot of the patristic writers, the second, third, fourth, fifth century, wrote on the Lord's Prayer. And when he meditated on give us a day of daily bread, he actually criticized wealthy Christians mm-hmm. for accumulating wealth for themselves. And Basil actually says, Hey, the food that's getting moldy in your pantry belongs to the poor. The clothing that's getting moths in it belong to the poor. You've made yourself too fat and rich. And he told the parable from Jesus of the man who says, I've done pretty well for myself. I'm going to build bigger barns. And then the angel says, you fool, the Lord's going to take your life from you today. And I love how that parable ends. And I didn't notice until I preached on it. And your your possessions, where do they go now? Mm -hmm. Whose are they now? And I think there is there is a criticism of people, even in Jesus's time, who are hoarding for saving for the future. Saving is okay, hoarding is not. And who are unwilling to share what they have because they only want to protect themselves and their family. Yeah. I think built in, baked in, if you will, to the Lord's Prayer is a criticism. You already talked about this a little bit, a criticism of failure to living to living daily. Yep. I'm gonna close with the practice. Um, this is an idea. So so as as a listener, try try this out. This is um something I've been doing when I start the day in the in the morning. Um I have this chair in our living room that I love to sit in. I get a, a little uh blanket and I sit down with a cup of coffee. I, I intermittent fast, so I don't eat anything before noon, or at least I try my darndest to. I intermittently intermittent intermittent fast, <laughs> I should say. Um, and and so that means I just drink black coffee in the morning. But here's what I'll do is I will sit down and I will open up my uh, calendar for the day and I will just read what's going on today. And as I read before God, as I read what's going on today, I will notice the anxieties of different things I have to do for the day. So mm. I'll be like, gosh, God, I'm anxious about that podcast. I'm anxious about that faculty meeting. I'm anxious about that student who's going to be in that class. And as I walk through the calendar, as you walk through the calendar for the day, baptize every part of the day mm. uh, in in the presence of God and say, God, that student who I know I'm going to see in class, who's mad at me right now, I want to, I want to offer that to you today. Today, mm. that is, that is I, I give that to you and I choose to not let that control my, my heart. And just walk through, and every emotion that pops up through the day, yeah. offer it to, to God as, as an opportunity to trust. I like to think of, of Jesus more like Lamba's bread from Lord of the Rings than anything else. And that is, <laughs> you don't really need to eat a ton to be sustained. Yeah. 
just a little bit, like just eating a little bit at a time over the day is a sustaining presence. Yeah. And so rather than like doing, you know, I'm just going to eat a full meal of bread in the morning, <laughs> eat a little bit of bread throughout the day. Yeah. Little moments. Little bit, little bit every day. Um, we're gonna in our next episode, we're gonna we're gonna look at um this next line, forgive us our debts, the debt stuff, which we're gonna get economic. We're gonna talk about probably mm. some so some interesting justice issues in the first century, but we're gonna talk about that next. But other than that, uh, this has been slow theology. Thanks for listening. If this is helpful, give us a rating. If it's not helpful, don't give us a rating. Um, <laughs> have a great day. Thanks for listening. God's grace and peace. Nije and I checking out. Uh, we love you and we're grateful for you. Thanks for listening in. Amen.